0: This is A Disciple's Point of View, One Disciple's Perspective on God's Word. My name is Craig, and I'll be your host today as we go through a myriad of topics related to Christianity. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Eternal Life 101. So what we're going to cover today is Romans chapter 5, and basically Paul has been building up this argument about how one receives eternal life, and basically going from the factor of that he received the gospel, God's abandonment judgment, moving on into how one, the only way people can receive eternal life in them themselves, which he, Paul ends up debunking and turning into an impossibility. Romans chapter three, that basically says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans chapter four, where he addresses the faith of Abraham and how it then applies to us who believe in Jesus Christ. So basically, On the heels of Romans 4, verse 20, actually 24 through 25, and it will be counted to us who believe in him who were raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So that's the end of Romans chapter 4. And when you hit Romans chapter 5, it says, therefore. So basically in light of everything that was said before this, Paul now wraps up, in a way, into a tight little bow on the box, and says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since he's been building up that argument, right, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The big crux of this is that God is no longer angry with us, right? The soul that sins shall die in Ezekiel 18, verse 20, that God said all the way back in the Old Testament, and you have example after example of points where god displayed his wrath at people's sins in various times and in various ways he was also forbearing against a lot of sins right whenever sarah in unbelief in genesis verse eight or in chapter 18 whenever it was told of them that a child would come through abraham and sarah whose name would be Isaac, who would be the father of many nations, basically that they would be the parents of many nations, right? Sarah laughed. She didn't believe it. And then God called her out on it. He didn't display his wrath to her. He was forbearing towards her sin. And likely throughout her life, there were probably points in which she did sin against God. And obviously, this was pre-Mosaic law, so the Levitical uh, law was not in place yet to be able to placate God's sins. So quite often in God's sovereignty, he would just simply let their sins be in forbearance, I believe, looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice that would be found in Jesus Christ. Because in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, uh, the scriptures say, that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So at some point it's very possible, although the scriptures don't say it's very possible that Sarah could also have eventually believed God, obviously, since she ended up getting pregnant and then she carried the baby to term. And then and he was born in Genesis chapter 21. It can likely be said that she's like, oh, my goodness, you know, God can deliver. And she was probably eventually also justified by her own faith, because again, the Mosaic and Levitical law had not come yet. It was still hundreds of years before that would happen. So let's go ahead and go on to chapter 5, five verse 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So there's the gospel in a nutshell. Basically, we've obtained access to God by faith. In uh, the book of Hebrews, it says we can actually come boldly before his throne in our time of need that is because jesus has opened up the way for us he lived the perfect life he died on the cross unto our sins and was raised to from the dead for our justification as we discussed in romans chapter 4 in verse 3 of chapter 5 it says Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. So. I want to say a little aside about suffering. Okay, a lot of times people will say you receive Christ. That. You will no longer have a hard life. You can name it and claim it. You can you, you can have this. You can have that. The thing of it is that God has not promised that to us. God has promised us the exact opposite, actually. In the book of John, I believe it says that we will have trial and tribulation in this world, but take heart. I, Jesus speaking at that time, have, ta- have overcome the world, okay? So even in the book of James, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, count it joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness Steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing so you can look at it this way in the military if you've ever joined the military been a part of the military or even just heard stories about the military if you've ever watched tv shows or movies about the military you know that they go through a period called basic training right so what it is is basically the military goes in tears down the old man so to speak to where they can build up a new man a new soldier a new person basically to unteach you the old habits and to teach you the habits that they want you to have essentially speaking the sufferings that we go through as christians are the exact same thing and idea because we're not saved necessarily for this life so in other words we don't receive eternal life now so that we can enjoy anything in this world. I know that there are pastors out there that preach this. Joel Olstein has your best life now. No, that is, this is not our best life now. There's a verse, I believe, in, later on in the Ro- uh, book of Romans that says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, mind has not conceived, that which God has prepared for those who love him. We don't have any concept or clue what it's going to be like once we die or once the millennial kingdom and subsequent eternal state is going to be like, it is going to be everything beyond our wildest imaginations. So our life here is not all that God has for us. And likewise, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you will suffer. End of story. I know that's not necessarily the best recruiting tool, but at the same time, it's being honest. God is training us to be what he wants us to be for the life to come. Okay, so I'm not talking so much about heaven per se. That is part of it. If the tribulation and subsequent millennial reign of Christ doesn't happen before any of us dies, we will go to heaven and be, as Jesus said in John chapter 14, where he is also, right? So we won't have a peachy keen life here on earth. If you receive Jesus Christ You are likely going to have hard times. And depending on where you are, you may go through a period of really, really rough living. And some have been killed for their faith, even in the 21st century, especially if you live in Iran or if you live in China, those areas are heavily persecuting Christians, heavily persecuting. Some are even being put to death or allowed to die because of what's been done to them. And the thing of it is, we can't deny Christ, no matter what. As a matter of fact, you know, sometimes in our current bit of cancel culture, right, that we're living in in the United States and even in the Western European countries, the people that are propagating this have the have the have the um, megaphone right now. They're being given the megaphone of the media and social media. And likewise, if you've ever said or done anything at any point in your past, that's seen as an anthema and you are, quote unquote, canceled. People can lose their jobs, and they have lost their jobs because of their political views that they hold, okay? So I've oftentimes been worried, well, what about this podcast? Can this be weaponized against me? But you know what? As a Christian, I can't back down from the truth. I can't back down from the truth, even to the point of death, okay? That's a little probably um, over the top, In the united states you probably won't have to face that choice Uh, if you ever go to a foreign country uh, as part of a mission trip i know that the church that i attend at one point they were um, financing i'm not going to say where but they were financing a mission to a particular hostile country and you know they we were given the the bare bones reality it's like if god's calling you to this particular mission know that We'll probably be safe. And as long as we can, you know, adhere to certain things, then we'll probably be fine. But there's always that chance. Right. Because you're in their country, you're subject to their laws and their rules. So it could even happen in the 21st century. I don't want to be too, um, too hyperbolic with what you may suffer in. And if you live in the United States of America, cancel culture may be the worst thing that you have to face. But, I mean, we're going to go through hard times. I've gone through some hard times as Christians, or as a Christian, and some here recently. And it wasn't necessarily persecution or anything. It was definitely a set of circumstances that lasted a good number of years and was really, really tough and tight on both my wife and I, right? Just You know, it taxed us in many ways. Um, But God— Brought us through it and looking back on it, I realized I learned some invaluable lessons from that time period. And that's what suffering is meant to produce. So let's go on to verse six of chapter five. And it says, While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So we obviously, this was 2000 years ago. So this didn't happen, you know, just overnight for you or I. This has been in place for quite some time. But at the same time, you figure that. The nation of israel had been captive under gentile or non-jewish powers for some time they to some degree were still allowed to maintain worship in their temple and all this and that but basically it had been proven over hundreds and even thousands of years that no amount of rule keeping or law keeping or anything like that was going to make anybody righteous before God. David was probably about as close as you came. King David is what I'm talking about. But even he committed adultery and murder. He committed adultery in, I believe it was 1 Samuel 13 into chapter 14. And he took another man's wife, slept with her and even got her pregnant, tried to get her husband Uriah, to sleep with Bathsheba, to try to cover it up, but he wouldn't. There was a military campaign going on at that time, and Uriah was a soldier in that military. He had been called home by King David to try to cover up this sin. Uriah said, shall I go and enjoy the company of my wife while my brothers are on the battlefield? He slept on the front porch of his home. King David got him drunk and then sent him back to his wife to try to get him to do it again. But Uriah would not do it. So he ended up telling the commander of the military, hey, send him to the front line where he likely will be killed. And they obliged. And he indeed was killed. The prophet Nathan at that time had to be the one to call out David for what he did. And he basically told him a a parable of sorts and said, basically, like, what do you think should be done to this person? Well, they should be hunted down and ripped to pieces and for what they did. And Nathan said, you're the man. Shall we do that? To you? Now, he didn't say, shall we do that to you? But Nathan said, you're the man and called him out for his sin. And he realized the prophet Nathan was being utilized by God to call him out for his sin. So not even King David, who is called a man after God's own heart, because after King Saul, the first king of Israel had sinned and rebelled against God, God said, I will search out a man after my own heart to sit on the throne of Israel. And God chose David and David sinned. So we, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay. Jesus lived the perfect life. He was the lamb without blemish. He perfectly kept the law and he died for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 53, where it was foretold that the Messiah would suffer for his people, and by his stripes we are healed, right? According to Isaiah chapter 53. Moving on in verse 7 of chapter 5, it says, For one, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is pivotal. This is key. I mean, we're talking about God had every right to strike all of us down. God had every right to destroy the world. God had every right to strike me down before receiving Christ. I had done some pretty crazy things. When I was 18 years old, I did. I had an affair with a married woman. I did. She was older. I worked with her, and we flouted it in front of her husband. He shot at me. I should be dead for what I did. God should have struck me down, but he didn't. He had mercy on me. I'm now 48 years old. That was 30 years ago, so don't hold it too much against me. But that just shows all the more. God doesn't sit here and extend his grace to people who are worthy. God extends his grace to people who are not worthy. If anybody could be considered worthy, it would be somebody who was a Pharisee, who held up the principles of God, who was zealous for God. And that would have been the Apostle Paul. Okay, he talks about how he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And that he. Kept all of this, he kept the law and all this and that, but he can now counts all of this as rubbish, right? He counts that as rubbish for the purpose of knowing Christ and being formed within him, right? So we don't have any standing before God. God does the standing for us, okay? So in verse 9 of chapter 5, it says, since therefore, so obviously in light of chap, or, uh, verses 1 through 8 of chapter 5, he says, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from by him from the rat? Let me just read that again. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we're not going to be punished in the same way that unbelievers will. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for our sins is enough to save us from God's wrath because God's wrath is then placated in the death of his son who hung on the tree and was asphyxiated to death and was stabbed through the side, right? Right. Verse 10, for if we were enemies or for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So he is raised from the dead, right? If the death of Jesus Christ brought punishment for our sins, how much more than Him being raised from the dead, shall he be able to justify us and make us perfect and righteous in the sight of God and then work through our lives by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. See also Ephesians chapter one, verses 12 through 14. It says, so that we were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You were also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, okay? So the filling of the spirit is not some post-salvation thing. As a little side note, you don't receive the Holy Spirit later. The apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, having heard the word of truth and believed in him being Jesus, we received the Holy Spirit at that time and we are sealed We are sealed. So it's not like in um, Psalm 51 where David, King David, who I was talking about just a few minutes ago, could say, and take not your Holy Spirit from me, who ended up sinning against God, right? We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. This is a very permanent thing. And it's something that happens at the moment of salvation, not at some point later. So I'll get back on track. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we actually possess it so basically as an aside when the rapture of the church happens uh see also first thessalonians chapter 4 and also chapter 5 or if you die in john chapter 14 he says where i am there shall you be also to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord see also the apostle paul all that being said once we either are in the presence of god Or we are raptured because at the rapture, both the dead in Christ and those living in Christ are caught up. They're transformed into their glorious form that they will take from there to eternity and thereby ever be with the Lord. Right. Or if you die before that occurs, you are with the Lord. Right. You're present with the Lord. In a sense, you do take inheritance or take possession of your inheritance, but you don't quite receive it 100% yet, but at least you're there with him. You are then forever with the Lord. You shall never depart from him. So in verse 11, and this is what we'll wrap up our study today with, it says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So reconciliation is a factor, basically, that we were once alienated from God. We were strangers in this world. Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. What can dead people do for themselves? Nothing. They just lay there. They're dead, right? But God made us alive in Christ. We have been reconciled. We who are enemies, we who had been alienated from God. Through the death of Christ and having believed in Christ and having believed in everything that Jesus did for us, that we now have received total reconciliation to God and we are made holy, righteous and just before God. Okay, and how this is appropriated, how you can grab a hold of this right here, right now. I want you to listen to the next segment coming up here in a few seconds. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was, and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say, prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process if you will to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart by simply saying lord jesus i believe that you died for my sins i believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and now i confess you as lord please take control of my life and i want to follow you for the rest of my days jesus name i pray amen that's all you need to do in your life will change your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The Apostle John wrote that when he was pinning First John. He says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. At gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.